Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. You know, um, when you look at the world of bow hunting, um, I think, you know, most bow hunters are interested in white-tailed deer hunting. And throughout the course of the year, we get to talk about some tremendous bucks and some tremendous hunters. But uh, we're super excited today because we have um, Dustin Huff, um, Indiana. And uh, I think a lot of people have heard about Dustin, but Dustin actually took what is going to be the number two all-time typical whitetail. And he's going to share a story, talk about how we put everything together last year. Um, Dustin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah. So now before we get into the story of your book, let, let's back up. You live in Indiana and, um, you know, we were talking at the start of this. You, you, what was your first passion in life before you got into music and before you got into hunting? Uh, basketball. Yeah, Indiana, you know, when I was born, I mean, they put a ball in my hands. So uh, that was my first love growing up until I was, you know, probably a junior in high school. And then, you know, music was was what I needed to do. So, yep. No. And so how did you or when did you make that transition into hunting? How did you get started in hunting? Uh, so I was probably 10 years old. You know, I was always going with dad when I was a little kid, you know, before I could even shoot anything. Um, but I killed my first squirrel when I was 10 years old. Um, so that's when I started, you know, really getting into it. Um, killed my first deer when I was 12, uh, my first buck. Um, and then just took it from there and been deer hunting ever since. And, you know, started off on a small game with squirrels and rabbits. You know, we, we had beagles growing up, so we were always running dogs. Yeah. Now, how about as far as bow hunting? How'd you transition into bow hunting? Uh, so I killed my first deer when I was 12. Uh, so I was in sixth grade when I killed my first deer. Uh, bought my first uh, Bowtech Diamond uh, when I was uh, eighth grader. I got my climber that year, and that was the first time I ever took my – and the first time I went bow hunting, I killed a doe. <laughs> the very first time I went out, I shot a doe. Uh, my dad couldn't believe it. I was out there for just two hours. And so that was whenever I got into bow hunting, killed – you know, I bow hunted for seven, eight years or so before I picked up a crossbow. Yeah. Needless to say, you're, you're obviously hooked on it now. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm addicted. Yeah. So um, let's talk about, about your buck this year. So so you spend a lot of time in the woods. You know, being a musician, does it give you the opportunity to get out uh, at some of the odd times like midweek or midday and different things like that? Do you have a lot of flexibility as far as when you can get out, even though certain times you're obviously committed to to your job? Yeah. Yep. So usually during the week, especially like when the rut picks up, like I'll come, you know, I'll I'll be in the woods from late October all through November, just trying to kill a deer, you know, or get a couple deer down on the ground. Um, so yeah, I just usually during the week is whenever I hit it the hardest because on weekends, I'm usually traveling or, you know, in a somewhere else that weekend, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times I find that, uh, bow hunting or just deer hunting in general, you can have better success during the week, unless, unless you're hunting land that doesn't have a lot of pressure at all. But for uh, a lot yep. of people, you have better luck d during the week, uh, so um, mm -hmm. now um, every deer has a story and you have an incredible story, but uh, 
let's talk about the beginning of the season. Your your season wasn't gangbusters when it started out last year, was it? No, I mean we were just seeing little deer. I mean, and killed a doe. That's about all we had. Yeah, and now for for people who aren't familiar, what part of the state were you? Uh, you live in Indiana. What part of the state were you hunting in? I'm in uh, southeastern Indiana, uh, just north of Louisville, Kentucky, about an hour and 10 minutes or so down in the pocket of southeastern Indiana. Yeah. And so, you know, as the season progressed, you started to see some more deer and then uh, the rut was coming in um, and um, you changed some tactics, right? As far as when, when, when you were hunting, because you weren't seeing so much. So let's talk a little bit about that, about how you adapted as the season went on, what you did differently, what your strategy was as you were moving into the rut time. Yeah. So, I mean, we were just, I take my nephew out. And so uh, he killed a, his first buck on Halloween. Uh, I killed a doe that same morning with him. And I mean, we just weren't seeing any shooters. I mean, it was a little five pointer that he killed and we were just seeing small bucks and, you know, previous, the four days previous, I was hunting by myself and I wasn't seeing any shooters, just does, um, had killed that doe. He killed his buck. So I'm buck hunting that next, you know, whole week is what I was planning on hunting. And, uh, I had been hitting my set stands. I got three set stands on the 185 acre farm. Um, and I just, I was hitting them pretty hard, you know, with my nephew going by myself. So I just decided to start taking my climber out, uh, same climber that I bought when I was in eighth grade, actually. And, uh, yes, yeah, first one. And so I just decided to start, you know, going on different parts of the property that I haven't really hunted, you know, five, six years, you know, when I was in high school, I'd hit these different spots a little differently, but over time, you know, the growth has grown up or logs have gone over our four wheeler trails, this and that. So I just haven't really been back there, but I don't know what that, for some reason that evening was just, I took my climber out and I didn't even know where I was going. I just got the wind right. And I was just like, I'm going to go back to this back, you know, West end of the farm in this back corner. And that's kind of where it started took my climber back there and just picked a tree. And so now let's walk, let's walk through the hunt a little bit. Tell me how that unfolded when that happened. Um, you hadn't seen that buck before, had you? Nope. I hadn't, I didn't even know he was even, uh, he was out there. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I took my climber out. Uh, it was just one of them things. I was just going to enjoy the woods, you know, just try to mix it up a little different, give my set stands a little, you know, break because I was going to go hit them hard that next week. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm sitting in there and uh, I get up about three o'clock that three, three thirty that afternoon. I had hunted that whole morning till about noon, went home, got some lunch, came back out, um, sitting there. I didn't see a deer all evening. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful evening, you know, 45, 50 degrees, nothing too cold. And I'd never seen a deer and I'm about to, I'm texting my girlfriend, texting my dad, you know, no deer again. And, um, sure enough, right. Whenever the, I'm talking right when the sun hit the horizon and I'm about to text my dad, you know, I got maybe 20 minutes left of shooting light, 15, 20 minutes left. And I about text my dad and I, or I pull my phone out to text my dad. And right. As I pull my phone out, I look to the left and it's 70 yards. There he is. All I seen was, uh, how wide he was he was facing towards me when I first saw him down in the creek bottom and when he put his head up that's whenever I knew like this is the biggest deer that I've ever seen you know on 
YouTube videos, anything. Like I, I just knew it was a monster deer. And so he starts coming up the ridge that I'm sitting on right towards me. I mean, I'm talking like I had him on a string, man. And he's coming up this ridge. And I didn't even have time to, from when I seen him to being able to put an arrow through him. I mean, it was two minutes, maybe. Uh, so I didn't get a range finding. Uh, I just guessed. I was guessing him at 40 yards. And uh, he's coming up the ridge. I whistled at him once. Couldn't shoot him on the first whistle. Had to let him take one more step and got to sneak one through on the second whistle. And he ran about 50, 60 yards straight West. And I got to see him go down. It was awesome. Well, that uh, took some of the nervousness and the suspense out of it. If you saw him fall over, a lot of times you have a chance at a big yep. buck. If it runs that eyesight, you always have that trepidation. You're not sure if you're going to get it. So congratulations, obviously. Um, Thank you. Now you were using a crossbow. What, what kind of crossbow were you using? What was the bolt uh, and what was the broadhead? Uh, so I was using a uh, striker, uh, picked it up, used, like I said, four, five years ago, maybe four years ago or so, uh, off a of buddy, just a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, he was using a Beeman, uh, Beeman bolt with a uh, rage broadhead. And uh, I've, I've been using that setup since I bought it, uh, like I said, three or four years ago and haven't had any, any trouble with that setup yet. Yeah, now th this this deer is an incredible deer. Uh, as we mentioned at the start, it's uh, uh, second biggest in the world. Uh, you could correct me; it's two eleven and four eighths. So it's going to be yep. second only to the Hanson buck taken in uh, uh, Canada in I believe nineteen ninety two, um, and um, I think that buck scored uh, just over two thirteen, like two thirteen and five eighths. And um, so tell us a little bit about some of the other dimensions, like uh, the inside spread and the beams and stuff like that. I mean, this is just an incredible buck all the way around. Yeah. So inside spread was 21 and a half. Um, I mean, he had his main beam uh, circumference was almost at seven inches all the way through. Um, I mean, his uh, G2s, G3s are 13 inches, um, a measurement that, doesn't get taken into consideration is he had four inch mass measurements going through his time circumference all the way up. I mean, he was just, he's thick. He's just got a lot of, a lot of mass on him. Yeah. Now when you say you'd never saw this deer before, just to be clear, you never picked it up on trail cams or anything, right? Nope. I don't really run trail. I had one trail cam that I ran like October 1st through like the 17th or 14th or something. And then, me and my nephew took our trail cam down and we were going to put it up on the other side of the farm, but never even got to it. So the first time you ever saw this deer is when he showed up in front of you in early November. I think the date was November 4th. And as you yep. mentioned, you had 120 seconds before that deer was, was right in front of you for the shot. And then it ran and you saw it fall over. What After it fell over, what was the first thing you remember? What was the first thing that went through your mind? Cause you saw it was down. So you didn't have to like have that anticipation. What did you think? I just knew that I killed the biggest deer that I had ever laid eyes on. And I was so right after I saw him go down, I started making, I didn't even get out of my stand. I was still in my stand when I started calling, uh, I called my girlfriend first because I had, like I said, I had been hunting eight days in a row, eight to 10 hour days. So she's ready for me to come home, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, she's ready. You know, what, what are you doing going out there? I said, baby, I got to kill, you know, I want to kill a deer bigger than my 134 last year. And this is the week to do it. You know, you got to be out there. 
And uh, so I called her was the first one, uh, called my dad second. And then I called the property owner and his boys and they all come out. Uh, my brother-in-law, he come out. There's six guys that helped me drag the deer out once we uh, got up to it. And we were just all just looking around like, what is this? You know, like, and we weren't even thinking 200. Like we were just thinking 180, 100. I was thinking maybe 185 was like mm-hmm. the highest, you know, just because we the biggest deer taken on that property was 153 inch deer that my dad killed, you know, 12 years prior. So a deer like that was just like, we had never seen it, you know? Yeah. Now is, uh, is that a family farm? Is that a friend of the family or? Yeah. A friend of family, uh, Troy Bench. He's a, him and my dad been, went to school together, been friends for a long time. He's a big farmer around the area. So he's got mall different farms and, and that one he kind of just lets me and my dad and nephew just kind of go back there and we've been deer hunting it for years now i'm going to assume that deer went probably weight wise went over 200 pounds he was yeah he was over 300 uh oh, on hoof 300 wow. on hoof is what we were guessing he was two 230 field dressed jeez that's yep. enormous so, so not only enormous he, yeah, he was big. Like I said, whenever we, I, I called all the people that I could to help drag him out because we couldn't get a side by side to him. I mean, he was in the thickest, biggest hauler on the property, and it, it took a lot to get him out. Wow, uh, that's amazing. I mean, you think of you think of deer like that from Canada, but that, that's a big white tail, body wise, obviously rack wise as well. Now, um, you got that deer, and word started to spread, obviously. My first question for you in regard to that is uh, uh, a lot of times you don't hear a lot about a certain buck. And all of a sudden, when somebody is uh, successful in harvesting that deer, then you start to hear that other people were familiar with it. Other hunters saw it, got in a trail camera. Did you find that happen to you or was this one of these deer that was sort of like a ghost and nobody had ever seen? Yeah. So like after I killed the deer, um, I mean, it right after the next day, once I posted on Facebook, um, people started on Facebook text messages, phone calls started hitting me up saying, Hey, I've, you know, been after that deer, uh, people from all over, uh, not only just neighbors, just, you know, that right beside me, which, uh, my one neighbor, Chad, he come over the next day after I killed it. Once he heard that I killed the deer and he had actually been after that deer for three years, you know, he had him on uh, trail cam on his lucky buck mineral sites three, since he was a three and a half year old. Um, so he had, he had really been after that deer, uh, you know, feeding him lucky buck mineral, had him on trail camera hunt. I've seen hundreds of pictures, videos of him. Um, so yeah, it, Chad actually had that deer in his sights, uh, the year prior in 2020, um, at 200 yards, he said, and he said he was about a 195, uh, in 2020, but he just couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah. So there was, a, there was, there was a lot of people after this deer. No. And, and that's what makes the story even more incredible. I mean, there's, 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 fortunately for others, there's near misses or opportunities. Maybe they don't get to, to complete the deal, but uh, in the end, it worked out really, really well for you. And uh, you mentioned that people had seen the deer for a couple of years. Uh, do you have any idea? Were you able to figure out how old the deer was? Yeah. So uh, we sent off the jaw and uh, had him aged and he was a five and a half year old. Um, so we have him, dated back to whenever he was a three and a half year old 
Um, and as a three and a half, he was sitting at about 170, 175 inch deer. That's incredible. And so, um, crazy. Now, so, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be the number two buck of all time. Um, you, you've gone, you've had it, uh, green scored, you've had it officially scored, but when you have a buck this big, it still has to go through a panel scoring. I'm guessing for Boone and Croc in a couple of years, is that, is that the next step then? Uh, they said that we can, uh, they, they have accepted it now. So it's up to, if I want to, um, if I want to do, you know, put 10 different guys on it to do it. I, I know how big he is. So if they've already accepted, I don't know if I really will do it or not, unless there's like a big party or something, I might go to the ceremony or something. So they said that wouldn't be till 2025. Yeah. And, um, so, um, you know, you talked, we talked, we started off talking about how you, uh, had a love for basketball growing up. I'm sure you still love to follow the sport. You're a musician, yep. anything from either one of those passions that maybe you've brought into deer hunting that helped you. Cause we talked about how your season was a little lean, especially at the start. And then as you moved into, uh, late October and early November, you still weren't seeing what you were looking for. Um, as you mentioned, you were trying to get a buck that was at least 135 or bigger, anything from your music career or maybe from playing basketball that you adapted that helped you to persevere this year? Yeah. Uh, don't be scared to switch things up. Um, if, if things aren't going, you know, mix it up, try again, or, you know, go down, go down a different road, try a different spot. Um, and patience, you got to be out there. You got to do it. You know, it's just, you got to keep grinding every, just like in music or basketball, like you got to do it every day and hunt. You got to, you got to be out there to kill a deer. You know, you can't, you can't kill them from the couch. <laughs> nope. That's absolutely true. And, you know, you think a lot of times when you, when we see things on television or stuff, or you hear a story in the end, you think, all right, it, 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 it comes together so seamlessly. It really, it really does. There's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. Yep. Uh, you're a case in point of that. I mean, you, you were in the stand a lot of times before you had that opportunity. And, um, you know, sometimes you do all your homework and your groundwork and things work out just as planned. And then sometimes there's a little luck involved. You decided you yep. were going to move. Um, and then you moved to a different part of the farm. That buck came by and you got an excellent shot. Um, I like to share a story. One time I was bear hunting in Canada and they had a, a bear that uh, they tried to hunt the whole season. It was up in Quebec. And so it was a six week season. They could not get this bear to come in in front of the hunters at all. And it just so happened that I had a climber in the truck. It was the last day of their season. It was like June 30th or something like that. He said, hey, would you be open taking your climber instead of sitting in our stand? And I did. And I moved uh, to a different spot off the, the bait. And I climbed up uh, right off a logging road and the bear walked that night right in front of me. It was the first time they'd seen him in daylight all, all the time. And they figured it was because of the way wind blows and the positioning of the stands and things like that. So sometimes those things, yep. when you have a climber and you can use it, um, nowadays we have all these great resources, amenities and tools, you know, ladder mm -hmm. stands and stands you put up and different things. And sometimes you can get hung up and just doing the same thing over and over again. You're a classic uh, example of how if you do things differently, things quite honestly might work out in your favor. And it did for you. So uh, it's yeah. an amazing story. Thank you. Yeah. And that's my thing, man. It's just take a climb. Any hunters listening out there, just take a climber. Some days you might think you have them deer pinned, you know what they're doing, but Sometimes just take a climber going and just go enjoy the evening and see what happens. That's, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> now, do you have that deer or do you have a replica of the deer somewhere mounted in the house? Uh, I have it at my parents' house. I keep it in the basement there. It's, I got a replica mounted there. 
Yeah, awesome. So, so you know, you were talking, you were looking for a deer this past year that was bigger than your previous uh, archery high. You obviously got that with a deer that scores 211. So here's the question for you. What's next for you? What do you, what do, you do when you got a buck that, that's going to be the number two all-timer, that is the number two all-time typical whitetail? It's going to be hard to top. So what do you do next? Oh, I say a lot. So like I, either this year, I just go shoot the first 110 that walks by. <laughs> or or just or uh i'm just gonna go back to you know 134 was my biggest deer uh that i killed in 2020 i caught my covid buck um and that was my biggest i i shot him 300 yards from where i shot moose at so i mean in that area so just i'm gonna go back to trying to beat my 134 so if this year 135 steps out i'm shooting him it's just try to work my way back up i guess yeah, and as you mentioned, it's really about the love of the sport uh, and oh, yeah. hunting, and it's it's and that's what it comes down to for everybody. I mean, it's 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 you know that's going to be a deer that's going to be hard to top, but that's not what it's really about. It's really about getting out there, um, uh, enjoying the beauty of nature, having a great time. And I'm guessing for you, um, with working a lot in your schedule, that's probably a, a great form of relax relaxation for you to get out and sit in the tree stand. Yeah, that's and that's where I write songs, man. That's that's where I find my peace and just you know i'll sit there and write a song or two in a week just sitting in a deer stand waiting on a deer to come by so um i just love it that that and going fishing uh you love to fish what do you enjoy fishing for yeah. uh crappie crappie and blue i just like pond fishing just farm pond fishing and yep now are there other things you enjoy archery hunting for outside of white tailed deer have you ever done a, have you done a little bit of traveling or do you hunt anything else in the state like turkeys or anything else uh, just the small game, uh, rabbit and squirrel and then deer. Uh, we used to hunt a lot of coon, raccoons. We had coon dogs back in the day and, uh, ran them a lot, but, uh, really that's about it. Uh, all the hunting I've, I'd like to do some other hunting sometime, you know, maybe kill an elk sometime or a bear, like you said, or, uh, any, any kind of big game or, or turkey hunting. That's what I, another thing I'll tell people, they're like, well, where do you go from deer hunting now? Turkey hunting. <laughs> But it's, it's crazy. I love people that, you know, there's just people who just really are passionate about turkey hunting. That's their favorite thing. I have a number of friends. Yeah. That's what they love to do. And other people love deer hunting. Now, um, you know, you were talking about how you started when you when you shared the, the photos on on social media, um, your friends and your family and people down the road and started to reach out to you. How about the media interest? I'm guessing for this, you had a lot of uh, interest across the country. Have you heard from from media? Have you heard from people from different parts of the U.S. after you took this buck? Yeah, so uh, right after I killed it, people were calling. So I'll just take it from the evening that I killed the deer. Um, you know, that evening, I just sent out a Snapchat, just some photos to some friends. Um, and then later on that night, I made a tweet like, Hey, I think I killed the biggest deer in Indiana. I didn't post any photos or anything because I was going to wait till the next day. And uh, that night, uh, my buddy Ray Fulcher, who I used to do some touring with and writing with back in the day in Nashville, and uh, how I met him was through Luke Combs. Um, and then Luke called me that night and he's like, Hey, Bubs. He's like, Dude, you don't, at this time, they, they have seen the deer now. I, I sent him pictures. And Luke's like, Bubs, you don't even know what you did, dude. Like, this is a big deal. And, you know, me, I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, it's a big deer. Like, I can't wait to mount it on my wall. You know, I didn't even know it was going to be a world record or anything. And he's like, 
no, like don't post any pictures yet. Like let me make some phone calls for you tomorrow. And then uh, Luke called Meat Eater that next day. And then they contacted me and launched the, the first story on it. Yeah, well, it is an incredible story. And and as you mentioned, you don't you don't go into uh, archery hunting or even if you get a big deer, you don't go and think it's going to be a world record. Uh, but yeah. as word spreads and people see it and, you know, you get a score and things like that. Uh, um, but it's just an incredible, incredible deer. Congratulations. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but it is an amazing animal. Uh, your story is great. It's one of dedication and perseverance. Yes, it ended up with a, a gigantic whitetail. Um, but uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the bow hunting podcast and for everybody who's listening i think the the moral of this uh podcast episode is uh even when your season is taking uh frustrating turns and you're not seeing a lot stick with it change tactics you never know what's going to happen we'll see you next time on the bow hunting podcast thank you mark i appreciate it appreciate y'all having me thanks for downloading the peterson's bow hunting podcast all bow hunting all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.